Welcome to Wellness, the ultimate guide to unlocking your full human potential through biohacking. I'm your host, Ashley Dealey. I'm a former personal trainer, Pilates instructor, and nutrition expert who holds a degree in kinesiology. I'm here to guide and support you in elevating the quality of your life. On today's show, you're in for a treat as I'm speaking with a naturopathic doctor who waited until after 35 to attend medical school. Not only does she share insights on how to overcome chronic diseases, she also sheds light on ozone therapy, a therapeutic medical treatment I find truly fascinating. If you haven't heard of ozone, it's electrified supercharged air. O2 is oxygen and O3 is ozone. Scientists and doctors have been able to harness the power of ozone using ozone generators to modulate the immune system. There are different delivery methods to administer ozone into the body, which we'll get into on the show. It's hazardous if inhaled, but delivers a tremendous amount of healing properties when administered properly. It has a higher safety efficacy than aspirin and kills viral infections, improves cellular function, has the power to reverse cardiovascular disease, Lyme disease, type two diabetes, and many other chronic conditions. It's been successful in treating ear infections, eye infections, and even hearing loss. It can be used to improve skin conditions, oral health, as well as degenerated discs and joint pain. Ozone works by optimizing your oxygen utilization. In other words, you can reduce the rate of decay by improving how well your body uses oxygen. If you want to heal your body, have more energy, and reduce oxidative stress, then this episode is for you. Let's dive in. Today's guest is Dr. Isadora Guggenheim. Dr. Guggenheim is a board certified and licensed naturopathic physician and family nurse practitioner, as well as nutritionist. Since 2003, Dr. Guggenheim has seen over 8,000 patients and successfully treated Parkinson's, acute and chronic Lyme infections, MS, inflammatory arthritis, psoriatic arthritis, thyroid conditions, cancers, and many other chronic conditions. Please welcome to the show, Dr. Isadora Guggenheim. You were diagnosed with severe psoriatic arthritis in 2006, figured out the root cause of your disease and have been in remission ever since. And you've personally felt the pain and fear of a chronic debilitating illness. And your specialty includes reversing chronic diseases. So before I ask you the root cause of your illness, we're here today to discuss ozone therapy and the treatment for many common diseases and viruses. So I'm keen to ask you first out the gate, what is ozone therapy? So ozone therapy is a gas. It's O3. And it's created by using medical oxygen, which is O2, and then putting that gas through a ozone generator. And a spark then creates O2 into O3. And O3 is very unstable. So it's great that it's useful in its instability because then it can be like a heat-seeking missile to kill and eradicate viruses, bacteria, both gram-positive and gram-negative, and also fungal infections. And with ozone, it works in nanoseconds. It also activates all the antioxidant pathways in the body in every cell, and it actually 
activates survival genes, one of them called NRF2. So I'm going to back up a little bit. The NRF2 pathway stands for nuclear factor erythroid 2 related factor, which is a protein involved in gene expression, which helps your body fight off molecules which attack your cells. So can you tell me how ozone helps activate the NRF2 pathway? Yes, it activates it directly. You get what's called a metahormetic response, meaning you have a little bit of oxidation. Then because of that, it changes the signaling. It's called transducer signaling molecule. It then sets off all these other antioxidants, catalase, glutathione. There's names for all of these pathways in each cell. And so what it does is it stops the production of inflammatory molecules. There are called inflammasomes. People are always battling some level of inflammation in any chronic disease pattern. There's usually inflammation in a chronic disease pattern. There's usually gut dysbiosis. It really helps to keep that balance. Ozone has been well studied over 150 years. It was even used on the battlefield in World War I. It's come a long way with the technology and the equipment that is used with it. But it even has been true to that it prevented amputations in people from diabetic pathologies. It's also been very useful for Parkinson's and neurological conditions. And because of the depth and the breadth of it and the fact that it works so quickly, It's something that everybody really should know about. Medical ozone is life-saving. I think one of the reasons it hasn't been accepted in hospitals, at least mainstream in America, is because you can't patent it. No one can put their name on it. That's correct. Um, Can you tell me what the ambulances have on board in Germany and across Europe? Yes. In some ambulances, they have (laughs) ozone generators because if someone has had a stroke, they can salvage and save damaged brain tissue. I did a, attended a medical conference in Cuba in fall of 2019 before the pandemic. And they have it built into their system because they understand how valuable it is and that they don't have a lot of resources as we do in this country, which is considered very rich. And so all of the population, the Cuban population gets ozone for free. They treat cancer, they treat lupus, they treat RA. A lot of the research has been done in Cuba for the last 60 years. I would love for you to explain to our listeners, what are the different delivery methods? Because I know you can't breathe it. Yes, no, because you'll go into bronchospasm. So there are methods that you shouldn't use. There is a way to breathe it in if you go through something called a propac. And that would be going through like organic ozonated olive oil. It can be injected into soft tissue. I do something called prolozone where I inject it into joints. I have injected even elderly people in their 80s into the hips and knees and different areas where they were on the verge of having to get surgery. And I've had successful cases. There's a few, of course, you don't have 100% with that. I've also had treatment failures where it was just bone on bone and the person then obviously had to get a surgery. But you can also do IV, and that's a lot of what we do. That's called major autohemotherapy. And all of our equipment is from Germany. 
it's where a simple angiocath is inserted into the vessel, into the vein. And then that blood through vacuum extraction is drawn up into what's called an eye set. And you draw up 250 milliliters, or at least we do. Some people do 200. And then it is ozonated within that eye set. So that eye set, which is a specialized silicone and manufactured in Germany, is then becomes a hyperbaric chamber. And you can also deliver other medicines through a port through that. And then it's infused back to the patient. So you can determine the volume that the patient would need and also the gamma, which is the strength. We have a success case recently with stage two aggressive prostate cancer. His PSA, which could be inflammation or cancer, but it was at 189. And then after six months of treatment, once a week for six months, and I did direct injections into his prostate as well, he's now down to 0.02. And I have many breast cancer cases that are fine. And I'm actually a naturopathic doctor by training, but I also believe in surgery and I'm very open. There are times when I've referred people for chemotherapy, knowing that it's poison with a purpose but it's what the person needed at that time. And it was going to be life-saving. And then what I would do is do chemo cleanup or if the radiation was specific or appropriate for them. So I'm not opposed to standard of care treatment, but I like to think and use what works. And the thing what they have discovered, especially from the Cuban research, is that even if someone is going to undergo chemotherapy, They should do two to three weeks of ozone to prep the body for the chemotherapy because it's immune modulatory, and it makes the chemotherapy work better. Also, when people are undergoing antibiotic treatment, and I do prescribe antibiotics, even if they're going undergoing treatment, antibiotic treatment for Lyme or Babesia or Bartonella, we have them come in and once or twice a week do the ozone along with that. And it's very effective. So the old treatment for tick-borne infections used to be you'd go on two or three antibiotics. And by the time they got to us, they had no immune system left. It was decimated. And so I had a very big job of cleanup, of rebuilding their immune system. And another way that you're not supposed to use ozone is called direct injection into the vein, because there can be a danger of pushing gas into a vein and creating a pulmonary emboli. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you, because I lived in Australia for five years, and I found one doctor who did it. I didn't know anything about it like I do now, and I actually had direct injection and was left all alone behind this curtain, and I thought, that was it? And then I started doing more research, and I was like, wow, for the people that don't know how many people are being negatively affected with the direct injection. People can go into bronchospasm and it's a huge liability for providers if they do that method, because there is also 30% of the population that doesn't have a closed septum, what's called foramen ovale in the heart. And if that gas escapes, it could be a fatal event. And so it's nothing to play around with. You want to have a closed system You want to make sure that you're using aseptic technique. You want to make sure that the patient doesn't have allergies. 
and you need to be trained and licensed and have emergency maneuvers on hand. You want the person to eat before the session because you don't want to treat someone who's hypoglycemic. It seems so simple, but a lot of people are into intermittent fasting. But I won't treat them if they've been fasting because they can pass out. If a woman is having a heavy period or she's got a fibroid issue where she's bleeding tremendously, you don't want to do the ozone on that day. I've even had patients who ask me like, oh, could they be put under anesthesia while they're doing the ozone session? And absolutely not, because you need to make contact with that patient at all times to make sure everything's going okay. And of course, not to treat someone who's impaired with either drugs or alcohol. That's not a wise bet because you don't know what the biochemistry, what that mix is going to be. Now, it is totally safe for pregnant women to have ozone. However, in the U.S., we do not do that. So that would be a contraindication only because if something happened or someone miscarried, then you could be blamed or the ozone could be blamed, even though it might not have anything to do with it. But there was a study that was done that showed that there was no harm to the mother or to the developing fetus. Are there any other conditions in which ozone therapy wouldn't be a suitable treatment? Sure. Any acute condition, someone's having a heart attack right then and there, they need to be in the hospital where they can get emergent care. Or if they're having a stroke right then and there, I've seen people who had strokes two weeks after they got out of the ICU and then did ozone on them, and it was perfectly safe. And I think we did a lot of good repair work. If someone is in thyrotoxicosis, they're in a thyroid storm. If someone is in an emergency situation, the patient knows it, you should know it, and that's a time when they should go to the hospital. We need hospitals. There's no question about that. I think the flaw with modern medicine, and I think anybody who practices it would agree, is that it's not great for reversing chronic disease. And that's what my training is, finding the root cause of the disease, if possible. And there are many variables involved with that. I took the Hippocratic Oath, do no harm. And There's always a fine balance in medicine to uphold that. That's one thing that I'm very clear about that I try to uphold every day with every patient. I could have a brilliant protocol, but if it's not right, it's not right. But ozone, I think when you're delivering it correctly, is a wonderful way to do it. You could also do ozone otic insufflation into the ear without a needle. I've even done ozone treatments into the eye. We had a patient who was needing a corneal transplantation, and he couldn't get it because he had herpes 1 in the eye. And that's why most transplantation fails is because of an infection. So we did ozone. We did several different things with it, but ozone into the eye. And then he was able to have a successful corneal transplantation. There's rectal ozone. So if you empty the bowels, you can do what's called rectal ozone. Sometimes people do that too much. Like sometimes people get the idea that more is better, but actually scale back and do less. We had some patients that actually the lining of their colon was starting to degrade and come out. Um, 
often is considered too often? Too often will, I think people were doing it two, three times a day and you don't have to do it every day. Maybe just a couple times a week and go with a lower gamma. And then there's vaginal ozone too. I don't think that's as successful because it comes out. Okay. This is a brief reminder to make sure you are properly hydrated and to take one deep, meaningful breath. The show is going to take a bit of a turn now as I ask Dr. Guggenheim about the root cause of her diagnosed chronic illness. I want to find out what was the root cause of your psoriatic arthritis? Sure. I was under tremendous emotional stress at that time. There were some very big life changes, ending a relationship of 30 years, finding my voice, and I was vulnerable to infection. So it could have been from seeing patients. It could have been, I don't know where I got it, but I had mycoplasm pneumonia, and I also had Epstein-Barr, and it was like being hit by a Mack truck. I was in pain in every joint in my body. I did not know what was going on. It was scary. And I knew I needed help. I didn't even know about ozone at that time. But I saw the best rheumatologist in New Jersey. But when I walked into his office, everybody was either in a wheelchair or on a, in a walker or in a cane. And I thought, I don't want this. I, I have to make a decision now. I have to make a decision that even though I'm in a life-altering event, I cannot let this kill me or make me sick. So I had a mental change with that. And I did work with him. He did put me on methotrexate, which is a kind of a cancer treatment, and also prednisone, which I was very grateful for. The guy who invented that got a Nobel Prize, and I can understand why. When you need prednisone, you are so grateful for it because you're at a point where you can't withstand, you can't live with the pain. And I was still seeing patients. I never had the luxury of not working. So I would still put in a full day and then just collapse at the end and hope that I would wake up the next day. And then I thought, I really have to figure this out. I have training. I'm going to start checking and looking at my own labs. And I have to say, this provider was very good. He did what he did, but I filled in a few blanks. And then I found out that I was in the thousands for Epstein-Barr. I was in the thousands for mycoplasm pneumonia. So my body was being hit by a nuclear bomb. And then I started to use my training and think, okay, how can I address this viral load? And what botanicals can I take? And how can I change my diet? And what homeopathics can I use? And slowly, and I even lost 60 pounds. I really did not look good. But the prednisone allowed me to function, even though you're high as a kite. (laughs) It was a good drug at that moment. But if you're on it for a long period of time, of course, you're going to get osteoporosis and you're going to get diabetes or you can. And if you're on the methotrexate for a long period of time, you have to take folic acid and you can also be at high risk for malignant melanoma. So I started to see spots on my legs and I thought, oops, and I went to the dermatologist and they were like precancerous. And I thought, I have to get off of this. So I was on prednisone for less of a time, but probably methotrexate for 11 months. 
and I was able to wean myself off and get better day by day. I'm not a religious person in an organized way, but it really does bring you to a different point if you're spiritual or just believing in some other things when you're that ill. But I just did things every day to help rebuild myself. It took a couple years. And at the end of that, then I found someone who could give vitamin C drips and those were helpful at that time. But it was a real survival climb up. And I thought, wow, I've come through this. And then at one point, about two years later, I was able to be back at the gym and rebuild myself. So I just wanted to give hope to people who were in that place. And it's a very dark place to be. Can you walk me through a few of the things you did to slowly rebuild yourself day by day? I think immediately I took out gluten and dairy out of the diet. I I never drank alcohol. I never used street drugs or anything like that. So that wasn't an issue. And I just was very thoughtful about getting nutrition in that was going to stabilize myself that had the correct amino acid balance supporting my liver, whether it was with milk thistle or chelidonium. And I used probably everything from ranunculus to, oh gosh, one of them actually, it's made from spider venom, staphys agria, because I did not want to mentally label myself a victim. I, I really made a very strong decision that I'm not a victim and that I would slowly overcome this. And I think that's a very important decision that anyone who's struggling with a chronic disease needs to make. Because if you define yourself as a victim, then the chances are slim to none you're going to get out of it. And it's funny, I think back to one thing that was really helpful for me, and I I don't know if it would even work for anybody else, but I started rereading the classics. I read Great Expectation and all these classic books. And for some reason, that gave me some kind of strength. And there was something about the writing that helped to stabilize me. You also figure out who is helpful in your life and who is not, and who is there when you're most vulnerable. And so that was not an easy pill to swallow, but needed to be done so that I could clear away toxic people in my life or people who I did not trust. You have to find out, do you trust this person with your life? Which is a very deep question. It seems simple, but it's not. And I had to clear away people who I did not trust and that I knew that it was going to be up to me to pull through this. Because at some point, it is a solo flight, just like when we're born and when we die. At some point, even though we have people around us, they may be helping us, but at some point, it's a solo flight. And you have to dig deep to really transform. Wow. Um, I appreciate, I really appreciate that in-depth answer. I want to circle back to some of the herbs that you use, because I would like my listeners to understand that it can be a very convoluted, messy world to just go buy some 
herbs online and that it's actually really important to work with someone who knows where those herbs come from, oh, the delivery yes. method. So can you shine a bit of light on that world? Sure. Yes. Look, the supplement industry is unregulated. And so there's only certain companies that I do work with because of their quality control. Herbs don't grow everywhere. There's certain areas where, like even Andrographis, which is called King of Bitters, it only grows in certain areas. And then it's harvested at certain times of year. So to get a legitimate product, you want to know and have that vetted, where did it come from? Is it really organic? Or, or are you just ingesting more pesticides and insecticides? There's a lot of products that they've even that have come from big box stores in this country, where when they did analysis of it, I think Consumer Reports did this, 50% of what they said was in it wasn't even in it, or that it was like wood pulp fiber. That's very important to verify the quality of your sources. So I think it is good and wise to work with a provider. How is ozone a good treatment for genomic impairments? Oh, there's a lot of biochemistry involved with it, but it's able to turn that gene off. So think of your expressive or dirty gene as you're having a nice Thanksgiving meal with your family or friends. And all of a sudden, that obnoxious relative comes in the door late, disturbs the meal, sits down, insults everybody, is just really an obnoxious character. That's what that dirty gene is like. And what ozone's able to do is simply take the chair out from that obnoxious person, lead them to the door, push them through the door, and close the door so that they go away. That's how I would describe it. I like that. So I, I'm sure your audience understands this, that what goes into that perfect storm. And for some people, COVID was the perfect storm. Other people had very mild reactions. There were people who had nerve damage, so people lost their taste and smell. So there was olfactory nerve damage. And it took a while to get that back for people. There's a medicine I use from Germany. It's a heel product. It's injectable called gallium. And in certain people, I put it into their blood in the ozone session. And within one session, they email me or call me back the next day. One guy said, oh, my God, I can smell the coffee. Oh. But it was all about nerve damage and trying to repair those nerves. Is ozone therapy a good treatment for neuropathy? Yes, I would say so. We also have alpha-lipoic acid, which you should do very slowly. The Internet, it'll say. 600 milligrams injectable. No, that's way too high. You start lower with either 100 or 200 and build up because when you use alpha-lipoic acid, you can also reactivate it. You can reactivate Lyme if it's there. So whatever residue is there, but you could also take alpha-lipoic acid orally. So I have patients take that orally. I then use ozone IV and to address that, we change diet. If they have a peripheral neuropathy and it's from diabetes, then you want to address the blood sugar regulation. You want to address their diet and they have to give up certain things. 
Disease means change. It's dis-ease in the body. It means change. And if you want to continue to have that chronic disease pattern, then don't change anything. In fact, you shouldn't even come to see me if you are not going to change anything. Now, I am not going to engage in a power struggle with anyone because I don't have the need to control them. I'm very clear about that. But if you are sick and tired of being sick and tired and you want to change, then I may be a person who is worthwhile seeing. But if if you don't want to do that, then I will not have you waste any time or money coming to see me. If you're not ready, you're not ready. And it's okay. I accept you as you are. I had a patient with stage three esophageal cancer. He was smoking two packs of cigarettes every day. That diagnosis was not enough to get him to stop smoking. He continued to do ozone with me. I accepted him as he was. And I wasn't going to lecture him. I wasn't going to shame him. I think we should all lose the shame. And he did well with the ozone. I actually kept him alive and he's still alive. And he credits me with that. He did a little bit of chemo, but stopped midway in the process. He hated it. And it wasn't until three years later, he got the diagnosis of chronic obstructive pulmonary disease that he finally gave up cigarettes. So everybody is on their own journey. And I'm not to question that. I am only here to be a paid guide along that pathway and offer what I think would be in your best interest. What's one idea you think the majority of people get wrong? That's a good question. I've never been asked that before. I think it's hard for people to really be centered in reality. I think that's difficult. I would encourage people to listen to themselves because I think they have all the answers. When I'm working with a patient, I'll get to a point where I'll say, you're the keeper of the keys. You are the only one who has the key for the lock. I don't have those keys. And I make a point of not robbing patients of their suffering or their fantasies, which could be the same. Meaning, patients don't change, usually, or people don't change unless they're uncomfortable. So I always say, I'm not going to rob you of your suffering. In fact, I think suffering can be a very motivating factor. It's a motivation so that they can reevaluate who they are, where they are. And I think that's very important. Also, people have fantasies about where they are. And the fantasies can also be helpful or destructive. I'm only here to help them change if they're ready. It's a bottom line for me. That's different for each person. Even the person who has brittle diabetes, maybe they could get one leg cut off at the knee and that's okay for them. But then it gets to the second leg. Maybe that's not okay. You have to decide when you reach your bottom and what that is. And no one can make that decision for you. It's very individual and very private. I don't question if they want to avail themselves only of modern medicine and the good parts of it. So if, in fact, people will come in and they'll say, I'm on these medications and I I want you to get me off. And I remind them, I say, look, first of all, legally, by law, I can't take you off because I didn't prescribe them. 
you're going to have to work with this other provider to safely go off of them. And I also say, let's be realistic here. You're on them for a reason. Now, they may be a Band-Aid and you may hate that Band-Aid, but you also don't want to jump out of a plane without a parachute. That's not a good idea either. So let me work with you. We'll make changes so that we can hopefully get to the point where we're looking in the labs where maybe you don't need to be on it or you could reduce the amount. So I also ask patients, what are your expectations? Because it gives me a window into what their thinking is. And I do need to know because if it's not based in reality, that helps me to help them. And I'll also say, if I had a magic wand underneath this desk and I could change a couple of things today, what is it that you want me to change? Then I have to prove my worth. If I'm giving someone even like this week alone, I've had four cases of Rocky Mountain spotted fever. It's a tick-borne infection. And I do use antibiotics for it and ozone, sometimes ivermectin, but they're on a doxycycline for 21 days. And then we reevaluate. And after the 21 days, when they come in, I give them another script and I, let's find out, did this work? I have to prove, did it work? Are you a fan of taking probiotics or prebiotics with antibiotics? Yes, as long as there's space away from each other. Because if you take them too close, then you're going to nullify or change the result of the antibiotic, right? You really want that antibiotic to work. So sometimes in certain patients, if they're not going to be on the schedule, I'll say, wait the 21 days, then we'll repair. But while you're doing the antibiotic, don't do anything. Or if I can trust the patient that, okay, I know they're going to take the probiotic or the prebiotic four hours away from the antibiotic, then I'll do it with them. Bottom line, who I am is what works. And so you cannot be fundamental thinking, whether it's alternative, functional, or allopathic. You have to be open to what works. And nothing is 100%. You have to be humble enough to know if you go in either direction, whether it's just standard of care oncology, or even if the person just wanted to do nothing but alternative, you're going to have losses, right? I'm curious to learn who or what has been the most influential resource for your career. Oh, with ozone, I would say Dr. Schallenberger. He's the father of modern ozone in America. I think he's a very dedicated doctor, a very good doctor. He has a great clinic in Nevada. He's seen thousands of patients. He's always innovative. He has a wonderful conference every year where he brings providers, ozone providers in from all over the world. And he's really a seeker of learning. And his latest conference was in Dallas. I had the privilege of presenting there. And there were fabulous providers who, in different disciplines, much smarter than me, MDs, DOs, oncologists, geriatrics, all different disciplines and nurse practitioners. But everyone has a common goal and that we really are dedicated to the health of our patients. We want to learn about what's safe, what's effective, and that we want to communicate that. So I would really give him credit. I also really appreciated my training. I was so hungry to learn. And I went to school when I was young, only 42. Most people go through medical school in their 20s. 
I personally am glad I was not a doctor before 35. I think I would not have been a good doctor. And I think most people should wait to be doctors after 35, although I think that there are exceptions to the rule, that there are older souls who are very compassionate and they're just made to go into medicine. I was a modern dancer. Then when I finished that, I went into being a massage therapist, did over 60,000 massages. So I really felt like I understood anatomy and then went to medical school. I just kept wanting to learn more. But I think being a modern dancer gave me the discipline and the drive and the stamina to get through medical school. What was your driver to go to medical school? Oh my gosh. If I close my eyes and think about it, I think about my grandmother who I considered a healer. And I wasn't sure what I was going to do because going down the naturopathic medical route was the road less taken and nobody gave you anything. Because I was older and I had gotten a BA like in my 20s, finished at the regular time, it meant I had to take all the science courses over again. I had to accrue 52 credits, organic chemistry, inorganic chemistry, physics, which I only got through with a tutor because I really needed help, biology, statistics, algebra, all of it. And it took six years because I was an adult. I was working full time. I had a child. I had a mortgage. I had responsibilities. Philosophically, I had to become a naturopathic doctor. The tenets of it, the philosophy of it made sense. And I thought if I go down the MD route, I don't know how long I'll last with that because I'll probably get in a fight about something. They'll probably throw me out of the program <laughs> because <laughs> I really believe in finding this root cause of disease. And I'm sure modern medicine has probably evolved and they're probably teaching herbs and botanicals at NYU and Columbia. I hope so, because I think we need each other. I really do. There's a role for everyone. So 52 credits later, six years later, <laughs> and I had to take out loans. And, and it only took 20 years for me to pay back those loans. So <laughs> I just finished paying them back in 2019. Congratulations. Yeah. There you, you know, go. I, I took responsibility. What haven't I asked you that you'd like my listeners to know? Oh, gosh. I don't know. I think you've covered a lot of things. I think just the bottom line message is, please don't go by Wikipedia with what it says about ozone. Ozone therapy is a wonderful modality and it can and does the mechanisms of action address all chronic disease patterns. For one, all chronic disease patterns have a common denominator of lack of oxygen. So it ozonates and oxygenates every cell. It's safe when it's administered properly, it's effective. And there's nothing to be afraid about it. And then I guess everybody practices a little bit differently and they may have a few extra things up their sleeve, whether someone does acupuncture or I do homotoxicology. But as long as someone is legitimately trained and you certainly can ask them those questions, I'm not offended by any question. I feel very secure with who I am. You can ask them, where did you train? Where were you certified? Did you take testing? Dr. Schallenberger has a great program. And it's not something that you just take over a weekend and that all of a sudden you put a shingle up. It was a two-year process. And I really appreciate that. I think the harder the program, the better. 
there's some people out there who are just saying, oh, we'll come in for a weekend and all of a sudden you can start doing ozone. It's not that simple. It's nuanced. And it takes time to learn. You cannot buy experience. You, you have to live through experience. And like you said, you before you didn't know what you were getting into and you had DIV. Now you're lucky that you didn't throw an emboli. It's lucky you didn't pass out or that you went into bronchospasm. But And even if you do study with Dr. Schallenberger, you have to sign a legal addendum stating that you're not going to use that method because it's not worth the risk. It's just not worth the risk. And it's not accepted in Europe. And I know people do it on the side, but I just don't do it. I don't want to invite trouble and I don't want to hurt anybody. If someone is ill, that's already a difficult process. So we have to deconstruct it piece by piece. There's a process to people becoming ill, and there's a process to people becoming well. And there's a lot of emotions that are in between both of those places. It's all connected, body, mind, spirit. It really is. I love that. I don't think I could have wrapped it up any better. Your clinic is called Second Nature Care, which is located in Nyack, New York. Can you also tell me, do you do telehealth appointments? Yes, yes. In fact, last week I had a patient from Tennessee, and if they want ozone, people fly in. But yes, I can do telemedicine appointments because we need an army of people who are going to help this next generation. And there's a lot of work. There's work for 10 lifetimes to help people through whatever's coming next. There, there is a, there's a lot there. Yes, I can help people long distance. I just virtually can't do an IV ozone session, (laughs) even though I know people like that, I know. But I've even (laughs) people so that they wanted my knowledge of homotoxicology and they were doing ozone in another spot. Then I would make contact with their provider to help them achieve the best results. I really appreciate your time, Dr. Guggenheim, but you have shown so much light on this subject and have really been a bright spot in the world of medicine. I really appreciate your help. Thank you for coming on this podcast. Is there anything else you would like my listeners to know? No, just that each person is on their path always. Even when it seems dark, you are always on your path and you are the keeper of your keys. And you're the only one who has the key that fits the lock. Incredible. Dr. Guggenheim, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. People can find you at secondnaturecare.com as well as on Facebook. And then all of your contact information is located on your website. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It was a pleasure to meet you. And thank you for being a conduit. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Dr. Guggenheim. Be well. Thank you. This podcast is presented for educational and exploratory purposes only. I am not a doctor and do not intend to diagnose, treat, or cure any illnesses or disease mentioned on this podcast. I am not a licensed healthcare practitioner and all topics discussed on this show should not and do not replace medical advice. Published content is not intended for the use of treating any illnesses. Those responsible for this show disclaim responsibility for any possible adverse effects from the use of information presented by myself, Ashley Dealey, or my guests. 
Always consult with your healthcare provider before using any products referenced. This podcast may contain paid endorsements for products or services.